Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Here I am. I just had to ask Max multiple times to turn down his Oasis record, which is especially upsetting to me because, and this is probably a very controversial opinion, not an Oasis fan. He is cooking dinner right now, so he has music going so he can hear it in the next room. And I'm like, sweetheart, I really don't think my listeners are going to want to hear a very far away version of this Oasis record. And I certainly don't want it in the background of my episode. So hopefully that's been turned down enough and we can't hear it. I can't hear it on my end, but I am partially deaf. So I apologize if there's any weird sounds or anything like that, but we should be good. First and foremost, I just wanted to let you all know that if you are just dying to listen to the next episode covering Tanya Harding, I have it available to all of my Patreon listeners right now. No matter what level you signed up for, you can get that episode right now. And if you want to join in on the fun, you can go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist and choose one of the levels that works best for you and enjoy the episodes. There's so much extra content on there. It is insane. But I have so much to get done. So let's get into this mini episode right away. Closing arguments in Trump's civil fraud trial began on Thursday, January 11th. As a reminder, it's alleged that Donald Trump lied about his wealth, and he and his son are accused of submitting financial statements that inflated the value of their properties and assets. It's alleged that Donald Trump and his organization created more than 200 false valuations between 2011 and 2021 to inflate his net worth by billions of dollars with the goal of getting better business, insurance, and banking deals. As the trial closes, it will be decided soon if Trump will have to pay the $370 million in penalties. Trump and his team have accused the judge, Arthur Engeron, of having his own agenda since the start of the trial. And throughout the trial, Trump has been rude and obnoxious, causing chaos and frustration in the court. Before closing statements, Trump's lawyers asked the judge if Trump could make his own closing statement, to which I say, Jesus Christ. The judge gave the conditions that Trump would have to limit his remarks to commentary on relevant material facts that are in evidence and application of the relevant law to those facts, and that Trump would have to refrain from giving a campaign speech. We know that would be virtually impossible for that man, right? So, of course, Trump and his lawyers did not agree to this condition. So, it was assumed that Trump would not be speaking on Thursday, but not so fast. After Trump's lawyer, Chris Keiss, gave his closing statement, along with Trump's other lawyers, Keiss said that Donald Trump wanted to participate as well. And again, Engeron asked Trump last minute to please abide by the conditions he had supplied him, saying, do you promise to just comment on the law and the facts and not go outside of it? To which Trump responded, saying, well, I think this case goes outside of the law and facts and proceeded to go on for five minutes with his usual criticisms of the case and, of course, referring to it as a witch hunt, one of his favorite phrases. 
He said that he was an innocent man and that this case was a fraud on him. (laughs) Jesus, again, help me. At one point, he turned his attention directly to the judge and said, you have your own agenda. I certainly understand that. Like, are people buying this shit? This seems absurd and like such childish behavior. Again, Judge Angeron asked Kais to control his client, as he's had to do throughout this entire trial. When they ran out of time, Judge Angeron cut Trump off and told his lawyer Kais, this could have been done differently. It could have been, but we know it was going to be a circus. We should find out the judge's final decision by January 31st. And I'm pretty sure we still have more trials ahead of us. And there is no way that Trump is ever just going to sit back and go through this like a normal human being. It is going to be a show. It is going to be chaos every single time. And I just can't believe that there's such a large amount of people out there that think that this is how a future president and former president should behave. Like it's so outside the norm of a typical politician, which I think is what drew people to him to begin with. But at the same time, it's like, do you really want this idiot representing our entire country? And I just don't get how so many people can be so brainwashed into thinking that his antics and his behavior is totally okay. It's just embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is the Golden Globes because there was some good and there was some really, really bad. And I want to start with the bad. Comedian Joe Coy was the host of this year's Golden Globe Awards and it did not go over very well. Apparently, he had just been given the gig 10 days before the ceremony, which doesn't give you a lot of time to perfect a monologue and jokes and all that kind of stuff. But some of the things he said were just bad. And I feel like a lot of other comedians probably could have done a better job at thinking on their feet and making it work. I would also have to argue that this is just an excuse after the fact since people were talking about how badly he bombed. According to Vanity Fair writer David Canfield, who was reporting from the ballroom, it played just as badly in the audience there as it did on TV. He said, I mostly saw eyes darting around tables in confusion, wondering if they were supposed to be laughing. Ouch. There were a couple of particularly misogynistic moments. There was one quote-unquote joke he made about Taylor Swift and the NFL. Coy said, As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. The big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL? At the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. The camera then panned to Swift, who looked unimpressed as she sipped her drink. A very memeable moment. And now, I personally don't think this is the worst joke in the world, especially because it isn't Taylor's fault that the cameras keep panning to her as she watches her boyfriend play football. But I'm sure that Taylor is sick and tired of hearing this kind of joke because it's just super overdone. And I feel like there was a better joke that could have been made regarding that situation if you did want to make some kind of joke. But like, honestly, it's best just to leave Taylor alone because her fans will come for you, dude. (laughs) And the one that I think upset the most people and upset me very much was the comments he made regarding the Barbie movie. He said... Oppenheimer and Barbie are competing for cinematic box office achievements. Oppenheimer is based on a 721-page Pulitzer Prize-winning book about the Manhattan Project, and Barbie is based on a plastic doll with big boobies. I... 
I just hate when men comment on women's anatomy in any way. Sorry if my voice sounds weird. I had my hands like over my face because hearing a guy say boobies or anything like that, I don't know. I immediately just I cringe and I get uncomfortable and self-conscious. Like don't mention people's boobs. You all might be too young for this, but I think it was probably like 11 or 12 years ago. Whenever uh, Seth MacFarlane hosted the Oscars, there was this whole song. I don't know if it was his opening monologue or if it was just a song he did later. It was called We Saw Your Boobs and then went through all of the actresses in the audience who had done topless scenes and the camera would pan to them. And it was terrifying. Well, when Joe Coy said this, you could have heard a cricket in that room. Everyone was silent. The camera panned to the Barbie director, Greta Gerwig, in the audience, who of course wasn't laughing, but just nodded her head like, of course this kind of joke is being made about my movie. And that's because he totally missed the point of Barbie. <laughs> The Barbie movie really pointed out the misogyny in the world and the pressures of the patriarchal ideas about women's bodies and even men's lives. And Joe Coy had to limit Barbie down to her physical attributes, which is just really icky and gross. There are way better comparisons he could have made between Oppenheimer and Barbie. He could have made some sort of joke about Barbenheimer. There were so many other options there, yet he wanted to go really, really low. It kind of reminds me of this joke that someone who is a friend of mine but really drove me nuts when we were in film school together. We were in, I think it was just like an art history class or some sort of world history. I don't know why we were doing that when we were in our last year or so of acting school. But anyway, we were talking about feminism. So of course, everyone, you know, I'm this budding feminist in college. Everyone's turning over to me. And our teacher was talking about the different waves and how feminism and its popularity kind of went up and down. And this friend of mine was like, oh, kind of like women's boobies go up and down. And I shot that kid a look like I was going to kill him. I was so pissed. I had many words with him after class. But even if Joe Coy missed the point, thankfully the Hollywood Foreign Press did not. And Barbie was given 10 nominations, up for awards like Best Actress, Best Director, Best Musical or Comedy Movie, and more. The film walked away with the win from a new category at the event for cinematic and box office achievement, as it was the highest grossing film of 2023. Joe Coy also blamed the writers on this one, since he's admitted that he didn't even write all of his own jokes for the event. More excuses. There was also some other rather uncomfortable moments at the Globes last week with one moment involving actress Ayo Edebiri being asked about her co-star Jeremy Allen White's photo shoot with Calvin Klein. Jeremy Allen White is one of the straight girls' latest obsessions, if you're not aware, and it was so awkward to watch the interactions she had. Ayo was shown an image of shirtless Jeremy while standing next to Abbott Elementary's Kinta Brunson, and Ayo said, Jeremy, put that away. Then a little later, I do feel like I want people to understand he's my coworker. And to that I say, exactly. It's really fucking weird that they're doing this. Ayo took home the award on Sunday night for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy for being on the show The Bear. 
There was another moment later in the night during another interview with the rest of the cast of The Bear, in which extras Melvin Robert pulled out a huge poster-sized image of one of Jeremy's sexy shots, and Ao just walked over and flipped the poster so it faced the wall and said while laughing, I'm putting it away from my boy. That's my boy. This is a work function. You know what I mean? Way to go, Ao. It is really weird, like they're together representing their show and work and are expected to behave a certain way. And then in interviews, they're thrown all of these ridiculous things that are embarrassing. I also saw that, and I haven't seen this movie yet, so I don't fully understand the reference, but there's this like salt burn candle from when one of the characters takes a bath or something. And I don't know, but they were making some of the other castmates smell this candle and they were very uncomfortable with it. It's like, just stop doing these shenanigans. It's not fun for anyone involved. Lastly, Leonardo DiCaprio was asked about shepherding and mentoring his co-star from Killers of the Flower Moon, Lily Gladstone, for award season. And this was asked right in front of Lily. To which Leonardo thankfully responded that she needed no help. Lily went on to win Best Actress in a Drama. Like, that's so fucking rude. Ask her what her experience is like. Don't be like, oh, have you had to help her and shepherd her through all of this? It's like, no, she's a grown-ass woman. She's fine. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, the last thing that I want to share with you is one thing that I got a little bit of a chuckle from this week. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that Gypsy Rose Blanchard was released from prison. 
And now she is doing somewhat of a press tour. And I'll speak on my feelings about that in just a second. But she went on The View earlier this week. And there was just a hysterical moment when one of the hosts, Joy Behar, had to be reminded by Gypsy, who was convicted of second degree murder, that murder is wrong. (laughs) You know, be a voice for the voiceless. You know, um, if there is someone out there watching right now, please listen to me. Heed my words that you are not alone in in, in this, you know, situation. There are other ways out. Um, I did I did it the wrong way. Um, So, you know, don't say that. I I did. I I did something wrong and I I paid my dues for it. Oh, you mean that part? Yes, the part of it, you know, that part of it. Yeah. Where are you going with this? No, 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 no. No. You know, so I did something. Yes, murder's wrong. (laughs) It's just so funny. It's like, no, 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 honey. Like, yes. She felt like she didn't have any other options. I understand you're sympathizing with this person, but it's almost like she forgot what Gypsy actually assisted in or partook in, depending on how you look at the situation. I said this during the last episode where I talked about Gypsy. I don't think that she had any hand in the actual killing of her mother, but I do obviously believe that she took place in the planning of it because she admits to that. I don't think she's an evil person, but it also just seems a little bit strange to be putting her up on this pedestal, especially so soon after leaving prison. She says that she wants to be in the public spotlight and do all of these things because she wants to help educate people and she wants her story to help affect change, which of course I think is so important and I'm so glad that she's doing that. But I just feel like some of the interviews are not about that and it's become about like her sex life and her hair and her selfies on social media and her comments on social media. And I was just thinking about this and I'm like, she barely had any real world experience before going to prison. And she had very little experience when it came to social media, when it came to dating, especially dating as an adult. And now she's leaving prison. She's married. She's playing around on social media for the first time, which I'm like, girl, do it. Go nuts. Talk about how the D is fire all day long. I'm going to cringe and wish that you didn't do that. But if that makes you happy, you know, Godspeed. But it does worry me that she is in the spotlight so much because I'm sure there is so much adjusting to do. I'm sure that there is still a lot of healing to be done with her because I don't think that there's any way that she could have truly gotten the help that she really needs while in prison. I don't know if she was also taken to another facility or anything, but I'm pretty sure she just spent all of her time in prison. And she really does seem to have a very good understanding of obviously where she went wrong and of her mental state during that time and and trying to understand the abuse that she went through and how she got to the place that she did. But it is just and I think it's really commendable for her to be able to feel so open and honest about those things. But I more so worry about the other people around her, not necessarily her family or anything, because by all accounts that I've read, they've been wonderful and very supportive. But, you know, interviews like this, and she was on Nick Vile's podcast, he was on The Bachelor. It's like just some of these seem like strange choices. And I hope 
that she is being protected and guided and taught some of these things that she's never had to encounter before. And I think that we all need to just allow her to live her life as well and do whatever it is that she wants while she's exploring herself and her new world and her new life. And just keep being you, Gypsy. Take care of yourself. I worry about you still. Okay, it was a bit of a short one today. I do apologize. There weren't a whole lot of things that I felt like really, really needed to be covered this week. So I hope that you're satisfied with this episode. But if you're still wanting more, don't forget that you can go to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist and you can sign up for one of the levels there and you can get so much more content. You're not going to know what to do with yourself. Right now, you can listen to part two of the Tanya Harding episode ad free. It is ready and waiting for you right now. But for the rest of my listeners who have decided not to join Patreon and wait until Monday, you'll see the episode then. Also, it's been a while since I've had a new review on Apple Podcasts, and I would really, really love to have some more interaction with all of you. So if you love the show and you haven't left a review, please go to your Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. And if you also like to listen on Spotify, don't forget to rate me over there. Also, shortly, I will be starting Mad Gabin with Madigan on Patreon. So if there's any questions you have for me, any advice you want from me, or anything that you want me to read and react to on my new little Patreon show, Mad Gabin with Madigan, you can contact me by email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me and follow me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Okay, that's all I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye! Hey, I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not going to do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was going to get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.